Everybody have a good fourth? Yeah, pretty good. No, all, everyone has all ten fingers, right? Oh my goodness. I, I was telling somebody, I go, the fourth of July is just ridiculous. It is, it is absurd. That one day a year you just get the light fuses and things blow up. It's awesome, but it's absurd. <laughs> but um, we had a good fourth as well. Um, there was like three birthdays that we had to celebrate uh, yesterday and the day before. So we had three different cakes and so fourth of July was really good in that respect as well. But um, if you've been with us, you know we've been in the Amped Up series. And anyone remember what Amp uh, meant? When I told you I looked it up in the Urban Dictionary, it was to be energized by the consumption of a stimulant, right? Amped up, to be energized by the consumption of a stimulant, and we are consuming God, right? We're consuming God, consuming His Holy Word, and I have loved every minute of this series. I love what God is doing in us and through us and what He's doing in this community. So, in the month of June, we did Access, and it was Access the Father, Access the Son, Access the Holy Spirit. Last week, my father preached and, and preached on Accessing Freedom. And now we've moved on to MOVE. And with MOVE, uh, I'm pretty excited. See, you got the green light. Uh, God has given you the green light. It's time for you to move. If you look up move in the dictionary, this is what you're going to see. It's defined as to go in a specified direction or manner. Specified direction or manner to change position. So I'm here, but now I want to be here. I currently am here, but now I want to go here. How do you get from here to here? What do you do? You move. You move. You move. And over the next several weeks, I would believe that God wants to move us. Did you know that he wants to move us? That he wants to move us to get us spiritually from here to here. I got to be honest, I'm not too sure that everybody's going to be happy with this part of the series. Because don't you know, moving can be a little uncomfortable. Because moving involves the word change. And some of you hate that word. To some of you, it is a six-letter swear word. In fact, change isn't even in some of your vocabulary. But I, I've discovered that in my years of walking with the Lord, that guess what? God is into change. He is. He loves me enough to not let me stay the same. Anyone else realize that about God's love? That He loves you enough not to let you stay the same? He's always calling me closer to Him. He's always working on my heart. He's always changing my attitude. The immovable, unshakable God is in to change. So there might be some squirming in your seats over the next month. You might get a little uncomfortable. It might feel like the AC isn't working. But I pray that all of us will be open to the word, open to being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and moved in the direction he is calling us to go. Today's message, it's entitled Move Toward Wisdom. Wisdom. How many people in here need some wisdom or want some wisdom? Absolutely. I know I do. But I don't know about you, I feel like the more I know, the less I know. Does that make sense? Right? The more I know, the less. Uh, Socrates said, he said, the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. And sometimes I feel that way. But even there, we still know and we realize as Christians that it's important for us to be seeking wisdom. There's a value in it. And as Christians, we understand that the wisdom that we're seeking is whose wisdom? The wisdom, yeah, God's wisdom, absolutely. And we want to embrace His wisdom, the wisdom that comes from His Word by His Holy Spirit. And, and we don't want to just hear it. We preached on this uh, about a year ago. We don't want to just hear it, but we want to actually hear it and then what? Put it into action, right? Remember James 1, 19? Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Say it with me. Do what it says. Do what it says. And then he goes on in verse 25 to, to tell us that the man or woman who actually does what the word says, that that person will be blessed in what they do. That's just a raw promise of Scripture. Blessed in what you do. You do what the, Lord, what the word says, you will be blessed. Livestream, do you know how much as your pastor I desire to see you blessed in what you do? But as my life as a minister, I've noticed that people don't always do what the Bible says to do. I'm guilty of that as well. It's, it's, but it's amazing. I, I can preach from the Bible, sharing the very words of life that bring freedom, that bring people freedom. And then people take the word and the word has been sown, but then they do something really weird with it. Awkward. I, I don't get this about the American church. It's as if we are a reviewer on Yelp or a trip advisor and we take that word, and, but then we leave Sunday morning and we give the service a rating, right? Like two out of five stars or three out of five stars. 
And then we just move on, right? We go to the show. We, oh, that was okay, or that was really good, or that was terrible. But then we just move on. We wait till next Sunday without ever seriously letting that word take root, allowing God to change our thinking, to change our hearts. Or what happens a lot of days is even somebody hears the word and they allow it to change their thinking on a subject. So that's good. I see this all the time. People, they believe all these great things about God as they read their Bibles and they go to church, but then they don't do anything about it. So they think one thing, but then they do another. Anybody ever try that before? And of course, when you live that way, you are completely depressed, right? Because believing in one thing, but then doing another, that's a stressful way to live. It's discouraging. It's depressing. I know I've tried to live that way before. But the wise man, the wise man, the wise woman doesn't just hear the word, but he does what it says. So real quick, I want you to think of the dumbest thing you've done in the past two weeks. I'm just thinking, you know, I have a long list to pick from. You probably do too. I'm not judging. I'm just saying you're human. So just think of the dumbest thing you've done. And I'm going to tell you why you did it. All right, you got it? Here's why you did it. It's because the moment that you did it, it made sense to you. It made sense to you. Now, maybe the, like the next moment you're like, oh, what was I thinking? That was such a dumb thing to do. But before all the remorse and the regret and guilt and condemnation, all those things, the thing that you did, it made sense. We always do what makes sense to us. And that's why getting the wisdom of God or getting God's sense inside of us is so important. We need that well of God's wisdom to draw from. At LifeSpring, we just would pray that all of us could be able to see the wisdom of God, that it would make sense to us, because if it does, we're going to do that instead of the dumb thing that we did this past week. Does that make sense? Right? And if we do it, then all of a sudden we're doers of the word, and we're going to come under the blessing of God. That's why we study scripture. That's why we read the word. That's why we teach. That's why we learn. We, we want to see the wisdom of God. And as his wisdom begins to make sense to us, we're actually going to do it. We're going to obey it. We're going to come underneath the blessing of God, living the abundant life that he desires for all of us to live. Okay? So today, we're going to be spending most of our time in the book of Proverbs. Old Testament, New Testament, anybody know? The Old Testament, right in the middle. You got 17 in the beginning, historical, 17 in the, uh, towards the back in the future. And then we got five in the middle, the wisdom literature, right there. We got Proverbs. Why would you study Proverbs? Wisdom, that's right. Wisdom. Because you study Proverbs because nobody grows up, Sandy, saying, I want to be a fool. <laughs> now, maybe a fool for Christ, you bet. Count me in. But just your everyday, ordinary fool, nobody wants to be a fool. We want to be wise. And as Christians, again, we want to be wise in the things of God. And Proverbs is a great book to study if you want to be wise in the things of God. Now, as we live our life, we are all growing in wisdom. Just naturally, we're growing in wisdom. Part of that wisdom comes from just doing something dumb and then saying, boy, I'll never do that again. Have you ever learned that way, right? You, you touch the electric fence for the first time. Ouch, that hurt. I shouldn't touch electric fences. Ding! Wisdom. But wouldn't it be nice to kind of have a heads up, kind of like those warning labels that you see on the hair dryers? A generation has gone before us, young people, and learned the bad things that can happen when you use the hair dryer in the wrong way. And they put on really big labels, sometimes like three, four labels, just to let us know that we can learn from their mistakes without having to make those same mistakes ourselves. Ding! Wisdom. Wisdom. The word Hebrew word is hakma um, for, for wisdom. It literally means a skill or uh, an ability, a kind of intelligence where you can make the connections between your behavior and the results of your behavior. And you can make a connection between your choices and the consequences of your choices. Wouldn't it be nice if you could predict how things are going to come out based on the choices you make? If you could predict the kind of consequences you're going to have because of the behavior that you've practiced. Wouldn't that be helpful? Well, you bet it would. And we call it what? Wisdom. That's what, you have. That's what you and I have. We have wisdom. The wisdom of God. In the Bible, Proverbs, it says that we trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. Meaning we don't lean on our own wisdom. But we lean on the wisdom of God. And then the promise is, as we lean on the wisdom of God, that he will make our paths, what? Straight. So it's important. Wisdom is important. Hopefully you guys are ready for this. I, I, I know I am. I've, I haven't preached for a couple of weeks, so I got a lot to say. But right here at the beginning of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7, Solomon starts it out by saying, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools 
Say fools. Fools, they despise wisdom and instruction. So it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of knowledge. You have to fear the Lord. If you don't fear the Lord, you're going to end up being a fool. You're going to do foolish things. But if you have the fear of the Lord, you're on your way. Now, as a kid, anybody else as a kid, did this phrase just mess you up? Like, so confusing. What are you talking about? Like, am I supposed to be afraid of God? Like, what does fear of the Lord mean? Well, probably the best definition of of fearing the Lord I've found is in Exodus 20. Um, Exodus 20, it's a pretty famous chapter, by the way, because you get the Ten Commandments out of Exodus 20. And Moses, he's now coming down with the law, and the Bible says in verse 18, this is great, he says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when when the people saw it, they trembled, and they stood afar off. So the people are afraid. They are freaked out. God's putting on a show. They are so scared. And so then they say, this is a great line. They say, Moses, you speak to us, but don't have God speak to us. Isn't that great? Like, hey, we're good with you speaking to us, but God, like, just stay over there with your thunder and lightning, right? (laughs) But then in Exodus 20:20, listen to this. God speaks through Moses to his people and he says, do not fear. Yahweh is the word for fear. Do not fear. Do not Yahweh. For God has come to test you that the Yahweh or fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. You see what he just said? He said, don't fear, but fear. Don't fear, but fear. Don't fear because God, who he is, his essence, he is grace, he is mercy, he's compassion, he's love, he's faithfulness, he's concerned about our well-being. Don't fear, but also fear or respect him or revere him as the one who is the almighty God, the creator of the universe, who can bring the thunder and the lightning and all that other stuff. Don't fear, but fear. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. In our fear of God, we recognize that God is God and we see him all that he is in his majesty. And we're humbled that in his majestic splendor that he loves us, just like we were singing about earlier. And our response to who he is, both his power and his love, our response is obedience. Right? Have you ever made that connection to truly fear God is to obey God out of our respect for him, our reverence for him? That we'd obey him, not because we have to, by the way, but we obey God because we know who he is and we know how he feels about us. So we obey. We fear God. We respect God. Now, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not in that place, right? Maybe, maybe you don't have a healthy uh, fear or a healthy respect for God, but I want you to hear this. Whether you like it or not, to fear God is the beginning of wisdom. It's just the way it is. To respect him, to appreciate him for who he is, that is the beginning of of wisdom. So that's the beginning of wisdom. And now I want to talk about our hearts for just a minute. As followers of Christ, we've been given new hearts, right? We can just stand upon that promise. Ezekiel 36, our heart of stone has been given. We've been given a new heart, right? Our heart of stone has been replaced. Praise the Lord. Yet often doesn't look that way because we're still beating up on our enemies instead of loving for our enemies like the Lord has called us to do. But if you really want us to discover that new heart that God has already given us, then we need to obey. We need to respect God and his wisdom, which actually means you've got to start praying for your enemies, loving your enemies. When you actually do that, watch what God will do inside of you. You will be changed. You will be changed because your heart is so easily influenced, good or bad. Read Proverbs 4.23. We'll put it up on screen. This is what Solomon says. He says, let's read it together. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Say it again. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The springs of life, basically your attitude, the way you Look at the world, the way you respond to the world around you. The springs of life come from your heart. Now, how you and I think about the heart compared to how the Jews looked at the heart, they're two different things. We say, what do we say? I love you, babe. Oh, I love you. With all of my, what? With all of my heart. It's this emotion, right? It's this feeling. For us, the heart is emotion, but not so much with the Jews. The Jews, they didn't have a word for mind. There is no Hebrew word for mind. And so Proverbs 23, 33, it translates the word, the mind utters perverse things. The word mind is the same Hebrew word for heart. So the Jews, your, your heart or your mind, it was your deepest thoughts 
It was your deepest desires, your inner man, your deepest thoughts, your deepest desires. And these deeper things, your inner man, this produced your attitude towards life, your attitude towards things. And he's saying, watch over it because it is very easily influenced. I've noticed this can happen to any of us. I've noticed this with the 24-hour news channels. Anyone ever been influenced by those like MSNBC or Fox News? You, you can begin to just watch these day after day and, and you turn in uh, and then you go in the car, right? And you turn on the political talk show on the radio and you become this angry, bitter person where normally you're not an angry person. You're kind of nice, but almost hypnotically your heart, your deepest thoughts, your deepest desires become influenced. Has that ever happened to anyone else? It's happened to me all the time. I have to be very careful. And so in Proverbs, Solomon is saying, Dan Bursch, watch over your heart. At least be intentional, right? Know that your heart can be influenced. So be on guard. Be aware of what is influencing your heart. Nothing wrong with listening to talk radio. Nothing wrong with watching the news or listening to music or going to a movie. But you got to realize, be aware of what you're going to hear, of what you're going to see. And it will influence your attitude. It's going to influence what you think about, influence even what you desire. That's why as Christians, we, we begin to understand as we mature in the Lord that using our free time in the car or at home to listen to worship music or to read the word, it is so important because it actually influences you. Speaking of influence, look at Adolf Hitler. It's amazing the evil he was able to accomplish. He led a nation, the people of Germany, into one of the world's most evil crusades. But Germans... Germans are smart. They're smart people. My ancestors were German. They came from Germany in the early 1900s. They weren't dumb. In fact, in World War II, the most brilliant scientists that the USA had, where did they come from? They were German scientists. So you look at these bright Germans following this funny-looking short weirdo. And Hitler himself, he said, this is what he said. He said, I use emotion for the many. I reserve reason for the few. In his book, Mein Kampf, he says this. He says, by means of shrewd lies. So by lies unremittingly repeated. So lies just said over and over again. Again and again and again through media, through preaching, through teaching, through radio, through talk, through movies. Again and again, these lies being repeated. He says, it is possible to make people believe that heaven is hell and hell heaven. The greater the lie, the more readily it will be believed. And then Solomon says... Watch over your heart. Be aware of what you're letting influence your heart. What you hear, what you listen to, what you watch, what you're involved in. Just be aware that your heart can be influenced. So, if we're going to grow in wisdom, and specifically the wisdom of God, we have to be careful to watch over our hearts. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'd say you do that by being in constant communication with God. Like actually having a real moving, breathing relationship with God. It's the great thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're living a Spirit-filled and Spirit-led life, you are always communicating with Him. As Christians, we call that, by the way, prayer. Prayer, speaking to God, allowing Him to speak to us. First Thessalonians 5, remember this? He says, pray without ceasing. That's right. The Greek phrase, this is great. Listen to this. Take this one home and put it in the bank. The Greek phrase, uh, without ceasing, it literally means to have a tickle in your throat. A tickle in your throat. Have you ever had a tickle in your throat where it makes you cough and you can't stop? Well, pray like that. Isn't that good? Pray like that, where you can't stop. You're just having a continual conversation with God in prayer. And I want to spend the rest of our time today, as we move toward wisdom, on this topic of prayer. The Bible is very clear. You want wisdom in the Lord, then you've got to pray. And I, I get it, you get it, you know, we read it, we, we see that prayer is important. But I've got to be honest, of all the mysterious things of God, prayer ranks at the very top for me. I don't have it figured out. In fact, the longer I'm a Christian, the less I feel like I know about it. There is a mystery to prayer. We pray to God. What do you say to somebody who knows everything? God is all-knowing, God is all-wise. What are we going to say that's going to make Him wiser? God is pure good. Am I going to pray that he would do something that would make him gooder? No, see, a prayer, it can be a confusing thing. But yeah, everybody's doing it. Everybody's into prayer. 
I mean, in our culture, everybody is praying. You talk to unbelievers, they will rarely get offended if you come up to them and say, hey, can I pray for you? In fact, Pastor Randy and Adam and I, we talk about it. It is a great way to talk to someone who doesn't know the Lord. Just come in and go, hey, how's it going? How can I pray for you? Right? Everybody's in the prayer. Now, I believe Pastor Chad has told this story before, but I just love it. Do um, you remember William the Fridge Perry from the Chicago Bears? Like, big old lineman, even scored a touchdown uh, once. Well, the chaplain of the Ch- Chicago Bears, he tells this story about one time they're doing a chapel, and it's before uh, th- their game. And, and he asks the players, does anyone know the Lord's Prayer? And William Perry, the Fridge, he raises his hand. Well, the quarterback at the time, remember Jim McMahon, right? Famous quarterback. He stands up. He goes, I'll give him $20 if Perry knows the Lord's Prayer. So the chaplain says, okay, William, stand up. William Perry begins to recite the Lord's Prayer from heart. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And should I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It gets real quiet. Jim McMahon says, how do I know he knew it? And he gives them 20 bucks. <laughs> so, a lot of people believe in prayer. They're interested in prayer. Try to pray. But what is the wisdom of God in asking us to pray? He called us to pray, but he knows everything already. He's all wise. He's pure good. So why does he command us to pray? And has he given us any wisdom on how to pray? Has he given us any wisdom? This is important because... Sometimes when I hear Christians talk about prayer, I wonder if they're talking about prayer or if they're talking about magic. And I, honestly, I, I feel this way because I looked up the word magic. I, I found in the definition it was to manipulate spiritual powers to carry out one's will. Whoa, right? To manipulate spiritual powers to carry out one's will. Sometimes I think we're, we think we're praying, but we're actually doing something. We're trying to force, manipulate, influence God to carry out what we want. Remember Jesus, he's hanging out with his guys, and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And remember what he said? He said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Now, how often do our prayers sound much more like magic because we're trying to get God to do something that we want God to do my will be done, right? Our will be done. Just for a moment, I, I want you to think about this. Just, again, this isn't like share time, but just think about the last time you really got angry. Like, really angry. For you spiritual people, you might have labeled it as righteous indignation. Sure it was. Um, <laughs> but the last time you got angry, I mean really ticked. You know why you got angry? It's because your will wasn't being done. You got angry because you weren't being treated like a God. What do you mean? Well, see, the perks of being divine, two things. Number one, you get to be treated as holy, right? Hallowed be your name. And then two, you get your will done on earth as it is in heaven. So think about the last time you got angry. It was probably because either you didn't like how you were being treated or things weren't going your way. You weren't getting your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we get angry. Be honest about it. And as mature believers, what do we do? When I do this, I have to confess and say, God, here I go again, right? My own personal divinity, self-divinity, acting like God. I'm so wrong, so sorry. Please forgive me. I've had to say that many times in my life. But prayer isn't to celebrate our own personal divinity. Prayer has something to do with what delights the one true God. Proverbs 15:8 says, The prayer of the upright, meaning someone who can see straight, the prayer of the upright is his delight. It's God's delight. So why would prayer that isn't magic, that isn't about my will, but it's about God's will being done, why would it be his delight? Well, let's turn to 1 John 5. Here's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's ending 1 John by giving this very interesting summary. We're going to start at verse 13. John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Greeks had a couple of words for um, the word know. They had gnosko, which means just kind of how we think of it, to learn to know, to come to know something, right? But that's not what he uses here. He uses the word oida. Say oida. Oida, which speaks of intuitively knowing something without any question, right? That you know, that you know, that you know, right? And he says, I've written these things so that you can just know. 
that you have eternal life. Isn't that good? In other words, what he's saying is, I've written these things so there's no question. There's no doubt. You know you have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. You know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? This is good. You know. But how do you know? Well, next verse. 14. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything, say anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. It's a pretty cut and dry statement. Ask anything and you have the request. But it's these kind of verses that theologically we kind of go, eh, right? Eh. right? Anybody ever have a seemingly unanswered prayer before? Anyone? Right? Am I the only one? You bet. We've all prayed. We've asked for stuff. We don't always get the stuff that we ask for in that verse, but it just said, whatever I ask for, I'm going to get the request. <clears throat> so this is what I do, or maybe this is what you do. We... A prayer is an answer, so we try to come up with an excuse or a reason for it, right? We get all spirits, or, or even we pretend that it never happened, right? We kind of deny that we ever prayed it in the first place, because if our prayer is an answer, then maybe God isn't there, and maybe God doesn't answer prayers, and maybe this whole God thing and this whole Christianity thing is a scam, and we freak out, so we make excuses for the fact that our prayer wasn't answered, because we've got to come up with something so our faith doesn't completely crumble to the ground, right? We freak out. What does it say here? It says we have confidence, confidence that we have a relationship with God and that I can ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And if he hears us, whatever I ask, he's going to respond. And I have the request. No ifs, ands or buts. And I love it. Praise the Lord. But what I want you to see, I want you to notice is that little phrase in there. Does it say that he'll listen to all my prayers? Look at it carefully. He says, if we ask anything and we said anything, but according to what? According to his will. Yes, according to his will. According to his will. Your will be done. Thy kingdom come. And he hears it. So it's not magic. It's not my will. It's his will. And he hears it. It's interesting. We pray in the name of Jesus. I always pray in the name of Jesus. But somehow we think this little phrase in the name of Jesus is some kind of magical incantation, right? You add it to the end of your prayer and Michael's up in heaven and going, oh boy, God, they said the magic phrase. We got to answer the prayer. Because sometimes I hear people pray, and I, I just wonder if they really understand what it means. And, and by the way, you should pray in the name of Jesus. As Christians, the only prayers you should be praying are in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. I just want to help you understand what you're saying when you pray. So here you go. Back in the days of Jesus, they would send ambassadors. You would send an ambassador to another town to do business for you. And they would come to a person, and they would come in your name. So they, they'd say, you know, I come in the name of Randy Ford. And then you'd purchase this or you'd ask for this. And as long as that person, as long as I was coming and asking for or saying something in the name of Randy Ford, I'd be coming in his name. Now, if I ask for something else, I'm no longer coming in the name of Randy. So when we come to the Father in prayer, when we pray to the Father and we come in the name of Jesus Christ, we're saying, Father, I am coming to you in the name of your Son. I am requesting, I am asking you for what the Son would want me to ask. Okay, well, how do you know what that is? Well, we get a clue from Jesus. He does not leave us hanging on this. Remember John 4. This is the story of the Samaritan woman, right? At the well, Jesus does his thing, sends her back into town to do a little evangelism. The disciples show up. Remember, they showed up with some food because they knew that Jesus was hungry, but then he's not hungry. So then they're like, why isn't Jesus hungry? Did somebody feed him? What does he say? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Hmm. The night before he was crucified, he knew he was going to be an awful death, full of suffering and pain. He's in the garden, so intense, there's blood dripping from his brow. And what has he said? God, Lord, if you could take this cup from me as a son, if there's another, another way. But just what does he say? Immediately after that, immediately he says, but not my will be done, but your will be done. The son says, I do nothing but the will of the father. So I'm coming to the Father in prayer. I'm asking him, and I'm coming to him in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm asking the Father for what I know Jesus Christ would want. And what would Jesus Christ want? Jesus Christ would want the will of the Father. So here he says, if I ask anything according to his will, in the name of Jesus Christ, he hears. 
Prayer is so powerful. That's why you must daily be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. If you've never been baptized in the Spirit, ask somebody before you leave that you would receive the baptism of the Spirit. Because as you begin to daily walk in the Spirit, you will begin to have your will conform to His will so that when you pray, you're going to be praying according to His will and your prayers on, as a result will be powerful and effective. It's so important to be walking by the Spirit because your will actually gets conformed to the will of God. And these prayers that you are praying according to the name of Jesus or in the name of Jesus, according to the will of God, become powerful and effective. It's so important to understand. Well, maybe sometimes you don't absolutely know what the will of the Father is. You ever been there, right? We're not God, so we need some help. Guess what? There's some help. We got some good news. Listen to this. This gets better and better. You get a little help with your praying. Remember Paul in Romans 8. Now, we all know the famous one, right? 828. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I love that verse. We sing about that verse. We celebrate that verse. But we want to understand it a little bit better here. We got to go to the beginning of the paragraph, not verse 28, but we're going to go back to verse 26. Here's what he's talking about with the works all things together for good. Start with verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. What weakness? Well, we do not know how to pray as we should. That weakness. We don't, we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The Father and the Spirit do not have to go to communication school. They, they understand. He said they have a perfect understanding of each other. So he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, who are the saints? Anyone know? Right there. It's us. The world is divided into two people. You got the saints and the ain'ts. And you are. <laughs> and, and you're a saint. You're a saint. Now, saints doesn't mean goody two-shoe. All it means is it's the Greek word hagias, the same word for holy, set apart to be used by God. We talked about this before, but remember in Corinth, the seaport, it was a pretty perverted place to be, right? They had all these different gods. One of the gods was Aphrodite. She's the goddess of fertility. A pretty popular religion amongst the men, especially the sailors, because you'd come in, you'd be able to have sex with a temple prostitute, and they called it worship. Well, guess what they called these uh, temple prostitutes? Hagias. Exact same word. So all it means is to be separated from the world to be used by a God. Well, we are true saints. We are separated from the world to be used by the one true God. So he says the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. So what this means is maybe I'm on my knees in the office and I'm, and I'm praying real hard. right? I'm praying for a brand new car. God, I need a new car. Brand new spanking 2015 car. I want a new car. I want in the name of Jesus. New car. Holy Spirit takes that prayer, intercedes for me. Oh, I need some interceding. <laughs> Conforms my prayer to the will of God. The will of God is apparently, Dan, you have a bit of a problem with idolatry, uh, thinking that you'd be happy with a new car. So what we're actually going to do is we're going to separate you from that. And what we're going to do is actually blow up the engine of the car that you already have. So I'm praying for a new car and the engine blows up and I start yelling, God, what's going on? Right. God doesn't answer prayer. But sometimes your prayers are so far off that you couldn't even understand or realize if your prayer was answered. Does that make sense? But yet I'm here declaring that God doesn't answer prayers. But I wonder if the purpose of prayer is not so much moving and manipulating and getting God to give me what I want. I, I believe it could be maybe just the opposite. Could it be, could prayer truly be God training me, teaching me to desire, to pursue, to embrace what he wants for me? Because then Paul goes on to say, and we know that God Causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, you pray, good will happen. Good will happen. No ifs, ands, or buts. Good will happen. The good will be the will of God happening in your life, which means you will never have a wasted prayer. It's so important to pray. But important to get this as well. We don't always get the answers that we want as the Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. Right? We don't. We don't always get the answers that we want. And you find examples of this in the Bible. This is a really good example of this. The very guy who wrote Romans 8. Listen to this. Paul, he understands unanswered prayers. 2 Corinthians 12. 
Paul talks about having this thorn in his side. We don't know what it is, really. Maybe he had malaria and causing him to where he couldn't see. Or maybe he had these Judaizers following him from town to town where he would build up a church and they'd come in and try to destroy it. We don't really know what it was. But whatever it was, it sure ticked him off. I mean, he's got this thorn in his flesh, but listen to what he says. Verse 8, he says, concerning this, I entreated the Lord. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul that like, wrote half of the New Testament. I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, if Paul prayed for this to be removed three times, that means the first two times it didn't happen, right? The prayers weren't answered. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to ask a third time. So he un- understands unanswered prayer, but this is so important. What does he do? What does he learn? Let's look at the wisdom here. This is an opportunity to move toward wisdom. He says in verse 9, this is God speaking now. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Godly wisdom. Paul learned what the will of God is. Paul, I want you to keep this thorn because it's what makes you so powerful and effective for the kingdom of God. And this gets into kind of touchy stuff, right? Because thorns can be extremely painful. And I've also noticed that thorns don't seem to be very fair. They don't seem to be fair. I think my mom and her chronic disease and what she suffered uh, her entire adult life, so many strokes. I remember talking to her when I was a kid after one of her strokes. And for weeks, she just talked like a little child from Texas with this Texas accent. Scared me to death as a little kid. Or with her autoimmune disease that she has that keeps her in constant pain. And her back and her neck, that, that even the best surgeons in the area say, no way. We're not touching that. It's too risky. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for her healing. Like, as a kid, I remember we would be driving, and I would be behind her in the seat behind her. And I knew that if you had the faith of a mustard seed, that you could move mountains. And I would just say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then I would just kind of muster up. i go, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I'd pray for her again and again. But yet, in her weakness, the Lord has shined through that woman in an extremely powerful way. In a way that I've only seen in a few other people. She has ministered to so many hurting individuals in her weakness. There is a depth to my mother and a depth to her words. A depth that you realize, by the way, the minute that she opens her mouth and when she speaks. And because of that, you listen. I think about my own life when my fiance called off the wedding and she gave me the ring back. And how I prayed that the Lord would bring her back. Bring her back, Lord. Or when I was addicted to online gambling, where I would pull these all-nighters, playing poker, and then I'd try to get up to go to school the next morning. I prayed again and again and again for God to take away that desire. If you know my story, I'm now 10 years clean from gambling, from poker, and praise the Lord for that. But I would say as painful as that time was, as destructive as it was, the Lord has worked it together for my good. It has given me a heart for those who are addicted. It has given me a heart for those who struggle and those who are weak. It has given me a depth to my compassion, my grace, and my mercy that I have for others. Many of you, you have similar stories, don't you? We learn what the Apostle Paul learned. That God tells us, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. And then Paul responds. I love his re- response. He says, most gladly, therefore... I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. This guy is wise. Do you see how wise Paul is? He's dripping with wisdom. Do you see it? He has the wisdom of God. Paul got it. He understood. So prayer, what is it all about? Well, the purpose of prayer is not magic, not my will being done. No, we pray according to his will and we can ask for anything in the name of Jesus. And when I pray in the name of Jesus, me, Dan Bursch, I have a confidence that when I pray in his name, the spirit of God will conform my prayer to the will of God. And whatever comes my way, it will be good because he works all things together for good because he loves me and I am called according to his purpose. And I will see the will of God done in my life. I have that confidence. Do you have that confidence? I I hope that you do. I want you to see that God always answers prayer. If you pray, good will come. But it's also mysterious. Like I said at the very beginning, it is mysterious. I don't have it figured out. I've been prayed for and prayed over for different illnesses and sicknesses that I've had. And sometimes I'm healed right away. Sometimes I'm not. 
But I continue to ask you to pray for me. I had Ray Wright going over to my house a month ago. Ray, would you pray for me? He goes, I'll be over there in like five minutes. You know, just yes and yes and yes. If Paul asked three times, do you think he might have asked a fourth time or a fifth time or a sixth time? I bet you he kept on praying. If Paul prays, then I guess I can do that. Do you think God is good with that? Do you think God's okay with us asking and asking and asking? You bet God is okay with that. God loves for us to ask for things in the name of Jesus. He wants us to ask. But like many of you, I have prayers that have not been answered. Or maybe not answered in the way I wanted them answered. But then there's 2008. Oh, 2008. 2008, I go to a Healing Rooms conference in Spokane, actually with Adam. We're hanging out there. It really was weird. Like some weird stuff was going on. But I'm just like, oh, Jesus, help me. But anyways, you would have had to have been there. But I mean, it was weird. But anyway, so we're praying. And, and the guy stands up and he goes, is there someone with a degenerative disc? And I do. I, I, the bottom one isn't completely developed. And I raised my hand. A bunch of people raised their hand. And we stood up. Well, then some crazy people started to pray for me. But... Also at the time, and no one knew this, I had two herniated discs. The herniated discs where I was getting a series of injections, you know, where you do a series of three, and then you do a series of three, and then you do a series of three. I was doing that. I couldn't even make it from a trip from Spokane to Seattle. My back was so bad. In meetings, I always had to stand because I couldn't sit. It was awful. Well, I'm in this, meet, I'm in this prayer meeting. The guy comes over to me, takes his two fingers, and goes, boom, right where my two herniated discs were, and I was healed like that. Like they prayed for another five minutes or whatever. I was prayed in the second that he touched my back. I'm freaking out. I'm bawling, crying. I come home. Mary was like, Mary, I'm healed. Blah, blah. She goes, well, I want to go too. And so she comes back with me the next day. And we had been trying to get pregnant for about a year. We, we, we come down there to the front to get prayed for. Before we say a word, the old couple that was there, they go, you're trying to get pregnant, aren't you? And we go, yes, we are. And they go, the Lord wants you to relax. Uh, you're going to get pregnant. Literally, like the next day, within the next, uh, next day for the next couple of weeks, Mary is getting all grumpy and getting zits all over her face because... <laughs> Her hormones were coming back and she got pregnant within two months of that experience. Amazing. Hallelujah. Right. And sometimes it's just that way. But also, I think in this room where we realize that sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Um, my my aunt Wanda, she died at the age of seven. My father's sister. This is her obituary. Wanda Joy, seven years old. Daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Birch of Rockland, died in Bridgeport, Washington. Listen to this. Listen to this. While the father, my grandfather, was holding revival meetings. So his little girl died while he was telling people about Jesus. On Tuesday, April 19th at 2.30 p.m. of tuberculosis and leakage of the heart, the little girl was ill for six weeks. I can only imagine how much my grandparents must have prayed for that little girl. A couple years older than my little Ava. And the heritage that I belong to, I know they prayed. These people knew how to pray. But, you know, they also knew something else. And this is going to lead me to my final observation on wisdom. Is that as we move toward the wisdom of God, that we would remember that his wisdom, it goes far beyond our lives on this earth. So many of our prayers, what we seek from God is focused on having the best life possible on this earth. I get caught into that all the time, right? Keep me well, keep me healthy, give me money, give me a job, bless me, bless, you know, all that stuff, right? Give me a spouse, give me kids, give me whatever, fill in the blank. And the cool thing about God is go for it. He wants you to pray those things. But ultimately, we need to realize and have the wisdom to realize that this world is not our home. As Christians, we have this eternal life that we're living for. Something much greater, something much bigger, something that will last much longer. And so, while we're on this earth, the short time that we have... We have this opportunity. We have this privilege to be a part of God's plan of salvation. Did you know that the Lord's ultimate will is that none would perish, that everyone would have eternal life in Jesus, that his will is that, that he loves this world? And it's time for us to get our hearts in aligned with his will, where we would get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our agenda, and instead we get our eyes onto what God is doing, right? God, your kingdom come. God, what? Your will be done. And your will be done. So then we, as People who are trying and, and, and obe obediently obeying God, saying, your will be done. We go into this world and we are made strong in our weakness. Hallelujah. And we are poured out all to the glory of God, sharing this gospel, making disciples who make disciples all according to the good, perfect and pleasing will of the Father. 
Hallelujah. See, you know, the legacy that I am a part of, the men and women who have gone before me and championing the cause of Christ, I am a part of a long legacy. My grandpa was a minister. My great-grandfather was a minister. My great-great-grandfather was a minister. He came over from Germany. He started a Zion German Methodist church. I have a picture of it if you want to put it up there. There it is. Isn't that beautiful? It's out in the middle of Nowhere, but it's the longest running church in the state of Washington. It's not the oldest, but it's the longest running literally in the middle of nowhere. You can, in fact, it's so far in the middle of nowhere, it's unlocked. So you can go in anytime you want. And and when you go in, in the sanctuary, uh, they have pictures of my relatives all along the sides uh, of my, of my grandparents, great grandparents and great, great grandparents. And, and these people, they worked hard, very hard. Um, I, I'm sure if I met them, I would just stop complaining the minute I started talking to them because they were all farmers. And, and after decades of hard work, their bodies would finally just give up on them and they died. They didn't live very long lives. If you look at the records, 50 years old, you know, 60 year old, they, they worked hard, but then they died. But what I know about them is they didn't live for the things of this world. They lived for something bigger and they lived for something greater than this life. And during this, their time on this earth, I can almost guarantee you they weren't perfect. But I can also tell you they feared and respected God. They washed and they guarded their hearts as much as they knew how. And oh, they prayed. Oh boy, how they prayed. They prayed and they prayed and God did the miraculous for them, just like he has done for you and me. But in the midst of the miracles, don't you know there were some tragedies? Just like many of you, you have experienced your own tragedies. Mike Zimney, his mother passed away last night, 8.30 at night. Way too young. In this church's cemetery, it's a beautiful cemetery, by, by the way, but in the cemetery, there are so many infant graves, so many infant graves and other people whose lives have been cut way too short. But, but I, I'm part of a heritage where they were wise enough to understand that this world is not our home. They were looking forward to a home yet to come. And they left this Legacy of wisdom, of faith, and of prayer, of praying without ceasing, not understanding it all, realizing there's a mystery to it all, but still in faith, asking boldly in the name of Jesus for healing, asking boldly in the name of Jesus for deliverance, for salvation, and trusting that God, a good God, would work everything out for good to those who trust in Him, not just on this earth, but what? For eternity. One day I'm going to die. I'm going to die and I'm going to see them and I'm going to thank them for praying and for seeking the wisdom of God in all circumstances. And I pray that if the Lord tarries, that the generations to come, listen to this, generations to come after us would be able to say the same of you and of me and of Lifespring Church, even as tragedies hit, even as sorrow and heartbreak hit, that those were people of faith that prayed boldly in the mighty name of Jesus and they saw the good, perfect and pleasing will of God take place in and through them. Amen? Amen. I, I just want to do this as we close and worship team. You can come on up. I just want to spend some time praying. Praying that we would be open to the wisdom of God. That we would ask boldly in the name of Jesus. That we would ask according to His will and that we would trust that God answers our prayers. Maybe not how we want them to be answered, but He answers them. Did you know that God answers prayer? He answers them. Giving us a request. That we would know that we know that we know that we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him. So, Lord, we do pray to you. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And as I'm praying, just in your heart, just begin to pray to him. Just begin to ask him for things. Pray according to his will. As those that are led by the Spirit, yield to the Spirit even now. And speak the things that the Lord would want you to speak. Ask for the things that the Lord would want you to ask for. Lord Jesus, Lord God, just in your heart, just begin to pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, that in your name, every person in this community would be reached for the gospel of Christ. In your name, Ghana would fall over by the power of your spirit. It would just crumble before you, Lord, that you would be high and lifted up in that nation. Hallelujah, that my family, Lord, would be released into ministry in your name, Jesus. That my kids would grow up to be influencers for the kingdom of God in your name. In your name, Jesus, that you would be the great provider, that you would give us what we need, that we would not be lacking, that we would have everything in the powerful name of Jesus. Jesus, that we would be able to walk in your authority, 
that we would be ambassadors of Christ, that wherever we go, we would represent you, Lord. I ask that in the mighty name of Jesus, that my words might be your words. Jesus, that when we speak, we'd have a confidence that we are not merely men, but when we become before the Sanhedrin and they hate us and they want to kill us, they would say, whoa, these men have been with Jesus. These women have been with Jesus. We ask these things. Ask confidently before the Lord. Ask confidently. Boldly go and approach His throne, knowing that you have your request. According to your will, Lord, let salvation come to Fife, Milton, and Edgewood. According to your will, Lord, let there be prosperity and blessing in this community where we would be leaping and dancing and singing and rejoicing and say, this is the year of the Lord and the Lord's favor. Lord, in your name, let the broken be healed. In your name, let the blind see. In your name, may the lame walk. In your name, let the captives be set free. In the mighty name of Jesus. And if we die today, or we die 10 years, or 20 years, or 30 years, or however long, Lord, that we realize that this is not our home. We are just passing by. We're just walking through. That we would have an eternal perspective as we seek your wisdom, Lord. We stop trying to use your wisdom and squeeze it into me having a really happy, perfect, unpainful life. But instead, I would just yield to you on my knees and say, God, use me for something bigger, for something greater. That even in the midst of the heartbreak, yes, in this world you're going to have trouble. But in the midst of it, I would have this joy that rises up that says, My king has overcome the world. My king has victory. My king has won. My king has said, It is finished. Give us that kind of wisdom, Lord. That even as they say, Cursed be your God and cursed be your uh, Jesus Christ, that we could say, Blessed be my God. Blessed be my Jesus Christ. And here's a cup of cold water in the mighty name of Jesus as I love my enemies. Lord, give us your wisdom. Guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Give us your wisdom. Give us your wisdom. Give us your wisdom. Yes, Give us your wisdom. Praise God. Move us, Lord. Change us. We don't like change, but I just feel like this is a safe place for there to be some change happening. So change us. We yield to you, Lord. Teach us how to pray. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.